what's good? Dr. Pepper's good, y'all. I don't care what anybody says. If you're not from Texas, you don't understand. But the rest of you got to know. There you go, Ryan. I, I got you back there. Who else is with me, man? Dr. Pepper is like nectar of heaven. I mean, it's 23 flavors combined, guys. This, this formula, Coke's got nothing on it. I don't care who you are, but um, Dr. Pepper is good. But recently, as I've become old, y'all don't make, I don't, I don't need comments. Um, hold up, I got another one here. I'm not gonna lie, y'all, I don't do a lot of diet drinks, but you know what's good? Diet Dr. Pepper. Anybody like Diet Dr. Pepper? Hey, you're with me. See, I'm older now. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Dr. Pepper, as good and amazing as the nectar of heaven that this is. And I know it's going to be in heaven one day. Uh, way to go, God, on Dr. Pepper. Um, but it gives me heartburn, okay? A little bit, okay? I, I'm not going to lie. It kind of gives me heartburn, which has been just a problem. Uh, that's why I mostly drink coffee. Um, but I got on to diet, Dr. Pepper, guys. Mm. You hear that slurp? It's better with air, all right? Don't judge me. It's better with air. Uh, Diet Dr. Pepper's good, man. It tastes like the real deal. It's a little less sugary, um, but, but it's sweet and it's wonderful and it's good. Although uh, there was like a study that came out that I believe like sucrose or whatever it's called that's in this, like this splendid stuff, it's apparently like not good for you. I don't know. So maybe it, it's bad for your liver, uh, says our uh, graduate nurse. Um, yeah, apparently it's bad for you. Someone told me, I don't know if this is true or medical science, um, but basically, you know like when you swallow, not that you do this, but if you swallow gum, they say like it takes like seven years for you to digest it and like if you swallow gum, it's with you a while. Apparently, someone told me the other day as I was enjoying an ice cold diet Dr. Pepper, he's like, you know, you know how gum stays in you for seven years because you can't digest it? The same thing that's in gum that you can't digest is in Diet Dr. Pepper, and he's like, that junk stays with you. So I'm like, well, it's no calories, but apparently it kills my liver. I don't know. I don't know what's good. But what's even better, again, I don't go diet on this, but what's even better, guys, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody? Summer treat? It's all you need right here, man. I don't have to go to, like, Baskin Robbins. I don't have to go get these fancy. Is it, is it dripping? Okay. Uh, just a straight up, root beer's fine. I mean, I'm okay with it, but but a Dr. Pepper float, man. Anybody with me? Anybody want this? Mm -hmm. You like the root beer? No, Dr. Pepper. It's okay, because tonight at the end, y'all, tonight at the end, you're going to have your pick. I think we, well, maybe, I don't even know if we, do we have Dr. Pepper tonight? Did we get that? Okay, we got your back. We got your back. Don't worry. We love y'all. So, you know, high dollar budget here for the Bridge College Ministry. Uh, we take care of you guys. Um, it's good. But this one's not as good for you. And, and I think what I want to get to tonight, we are in this series about the attributes of God. And I want to talk about God being good. And, and in light of that, thinking about the fact that there's so many things in life that at one time were good to me that aren't good to me anymore. One time that I believed this was good for me. And they're like, no, it's actually not good for you. Right? Like we can go down a list of those things. And I think a lot of times we're kind of like, what's good? What's not good? And tonight in our series, the attributes of God, the attributes, if you don't know what that means, that's just an, an attribute, what we attribute to God. It's a characteristic of God, a way that we describe God. And one of the ways that we've talked about him is that he is holy, right? And then last week, 
Pastor Larry brought the thunder. Anybody like here last week? Yeah, like talking about the sovereignty of God, which is that he is over all things. He rules all things. He is sovereign. He is in control. And if you didn't listen to that, that's why we got a podcast. You can check out our Bridge podcast and hear that. Tonight, I want to talk about God being good. God being good and why this matters. And a lot of you are like, man, we just sang this. And yeah, I know God is good. Um, I, I get it. But, but I think there's a little bit more to it tonight. Because when we talk this summer about who God is, the attributes of God, whether he's omniscient. Anybody know what that one means? Yeah. yeah. All-knowing. There you go. Uh, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, the big, the, all the O's, right? Immutable, that he's unchanging. That's going to be the last one. I'm preaching on that one. I, I reserved that one uh, for the last summer bridge. That's in a few weeks. We still have a few, little bit of time. Don't worry. But all these things about who God is matter. And A.W. Tozer, he says this quote, I'll throw it on the screen. It says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, you may not believe that, but I want you to think about that for a minute because your worldview, how you value and see the world is always gonna be through a lens of whether you believe in a God or you don't and what you think that that God is like. And I'll explain it this way. I want you to think right now with me about how you picture God right now to you. Like if you think about like, what is God's disposition to me right now? Like, is he distant? God's kind of far off. You kind of think of him that way. Is he not paying attention, kind of ghosting you? Like he's got bigger fish to fry, he's not in my life, but he's, he's there, I believe in him, but he's kind of like off. Maybe he's distant, but he's paying attention from a distance. He's kind of watching you, keeping an eye on you. He's like the grandfather of the sky, you know, or the policeman. Maybe he's near to you, but he's angry and disappointed in you. Do you, do you feel that way with God? Like when you come before God, you feel like God is just sitting here, arms crossed. That's how I picture him. Angry. Like, why can't you get things right? Why can't you fix things? And, and how you view God matters because it affects how you act towards God. How is his posture to you? Is his arms crossed? Is his arms open? Is he above you? Is he down by you? The way you think about God matters, and it's why the theology and understanding of who God really is, not who we want him to be, not we, who we hope he would be, but that who he really is matters. And so we're going to get into it tonight, and I want to start with this phrase, God is good. There it is, man. I knew y'all had me. God is good. All the time. Okay, we know that phrase. Y'all are Baptists. I appreciate that. Uh, I, the question is, though, do you believe that? God is good all the time, or sometimes. And, and before I get a little too further, I do want to, because this is going to matter for the rest of the night, I want to give you one other phrase. Can I teach you one other phrase tonight? Okay, we got that one down. All right, I, I want you to repeat after me, okay? Life is hard. Can I get an amen? Amen, right? Like, okay, okay, here it is. Life is hard, but God is good. Okay, you need to hang on to that one. All right, life is hard, then what do you say? God is good. No. Hold on. We're on, we're on, we're on number two now, okay? So it's the same idea, all right? So I say life is hard, you say, but, but God is good. Okay, so here's where I want to go tonight. You're like, great, got it. Tonight, here's the question that I want to answer in the scriptures while we have a little bit of time together. Why is God described as good? Like, like what actually makes him good? 
Now, real fast, uh, Psalm 105 or, or 100 verse 5, God is good. Psalm 106 verse 1, God is good. Psalm 107 1, God is good. Psalm 118 1, God is good. Over and over and over in scriptures, God is described like this. So we can take uh, the author's word for it, but I want to go deeper into why is he good? What makes our God good? And then secondly, I want to ask this question. If God is good, then why does bad stuff happen? And if he's sovereign, which we talked about last week, how does he allow bad things to happen? How can he be good and there's so much evil and hurt and pain in this world? Like, we gotta, we got to answer that. We can't just talk about God's goodness and, and, and have a blind eye to the hurt and the suffering in this world. So I want to get to that. And then finally, the biggest key to tonight is why does it matter? Okay, God is good, great, good for him. I'm so glad he's good. But, but really, why does that matter? And so I want to get into it tonight. First of all, why is God good? You see, if God is good, then his creation is good. Everything that he creates is good. Good. His creation is good. In fact, Genesis 1.31, it says that God created all things and looked at it all and declared over it, this is good. In fact, he said everything is good except one thing that was not good. Everybody remember? Anybody remember? That man is alone. It is not good, as God de- declares, for you to be in isolation, for you to be not in community. All right, that is not a reference right there to just marriage. It is a part of marriage, but marriage and, and being fruitful and multiplying is about community and living life together as how God has wired us. That's good. So when we live outside of that, that's not good. But I'm going to go on. His commands are good. Some of us don't believe this. His commands are restricted. They're not good. Okay, his commands are good because they show us how best to live in relationship to him, in a relationship to others. They show us how best to live life because he created it. Romans 7, 12, if you're taking notes. The commands of God are good and holy. Man, I shouldn't have drank Dr. Pepper. Because I'm his creation's good, his commands are good. James 1:17 says that every good gift comes from him. His gifts are good, y'all. His gifts are good. Good, James 1, 17, every good gift comes from him. They express his generosity. That we have a giving, good, and generous God. God is good. And if God is good, all that he does is good. So that's why we say, God is good. And you say, all the time. And I say, all the time. Okay, now you're feeling it. But I also know this, life is hard. And God is good. But life is hard. It is. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Okay. Let me go to a verse uh, now because I've been just quoting some stuff. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Exodus 33. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, midsummer, we're kind of losing it here. Okay, guys. God, help me out. All right. Exodus 33. Woo! Yes. I want to read something because this is really interesting. And when we frame this up in the goodness of God, I want you to see some things tonight that maybe you haven't thought about. You see, in Exodus 33, we have this amazing moment where Moses is is before God. Speaking to God, it says, as a friend would speak, like face to face. And here's what's going on. Moses is meeting with God, and, and, and God's just there. And he's like, hey, God, show me your glory. Like, let me see you. Let me experience you. Let me know you. And he says, show me your glory. You remember this story. And, and so God says, okay, I will. But here's how he describes it. Let's go to verse 19. See, in verse 18, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness 
pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh, the I am, the Lord. Anytime you see the Lord, but the Lord is all caps in your Bible, that is a reference to the holy of holy names that they had, the Jewish people had for God, which is Yahweh, the I am. That was the thing when, when Moses said, hey, who's sending me? And he says, the I am that I am, I always will be, I always have been, I am. All right? But what's so interesting about this verse, he says, when I, when I come before you, I'm going to show you my goodness. It's an adjective describing who he is, his very nature. God's very nature is good. So you've got to know this. It is not just a finger crossed, man, I hope God's good. Man, I hope he's good because if he's sovereign, if he's all powerful, if he's all knowing, like we are done for. But if he's good, everything is different. Now, Let's talk about what makes him good because his goodness goes before Moses and it says that his name is proclaimed. So let's move on to chapter 34. Just come down just a little bit to verse six because here's where we see how God is good, okay? God shows his goodness or his glory to Moses and this is how he describes it. Verse six, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And in this moment, Moses bows down and worships. Oh, that is good. This is so good. So if you want to know what makes God good, go to this text and remember this about our God. And I, I'm, I, honestly, I, I worry for us sometimes because so many of you in here, you're so familiar with some of this stuff that doesn't hit you to think about that this isn't just what we hope God would be like. This is God. You want to describe what God is really like. Here it is right here. And so we see his goodness. He is good because he is compassionate and merciful. Y'all, he's good because he's compassionate. He has compassion on you and I. And he's merciful. He doesn't give us what we deserve. This is going to show up over and over and over. He is good because he's compassionate and merciful. He's good because he is slow to anger. He is good because his love will not fail. It will not run out. It will not weary. It will not be for you one day and against you another day. His love is on you. Isn't that good? Like how good is that? That even when my love and my emotions and my feelings and my actions are all up and down, God never changes. We're gonna get to that in another week. But that his love is for us. It never runs out. He is faithful and steadfast in his love to us. It's so good. He's good because he is faithful to you when you're not faithful to him. How good is that? When you aren't faithful to him, he is still faithful to you. He is still here for you. When we have, when we have run away or strayed, that God is still here and his real posture to all of us, whether we picture this or not, we gotta understand that his real posture to us is open arms. Father, Abba, saying, come, draw near to me. Come back. He is so good because he is faithful. He can be relied on. He is always there. He is good because the next one, he forgives. How good is that? That you, you are guilty, I am guilty, and God clears you. 
Now, the way that he clears you, I'm going to get to that in two seconds, uh, but I'm going to give you a couple more. He is good because he's just. Wait a second. You just said he's merciful. He lets us off the hook. And you said that he is merciful because he forgives, but he's also just. He doesn't clear the guilty. What's going on here? And for some of you that don't know this, or maybe it's not been spoken to you in this way, he is just because every sin in Christ is paid for. So we either pay for our own sins because the Bible says every one of us have sinned. Every one of you have fallen short of his standard, of his goodness, of his glory. And he is just. That sin will be paid for. He he is not a grandfather in the sky winking at your sin going, it's cool, whatever. That is not how he treats it. But through his own son's blood, his justice and his mercy meet. His forgiveness and justice meet because he is justly sending his son to the cross to take on the payment that you and I earn. So he's so good that there was nothing I could do to earn that or to be forgiven, but God provided it through Jesus. And so here we have in the center of all that God is, the gospel that he is both just and gracious. Now, none of us want justice and yet we all want justice. We all want justice. When we, when we hear of injustice, we're like, man, someone better pay for that. Someone better pay for it. They, they wronged me or they wronged this person. I want justice. But none of us want justice when it comes to ourselves. For what we have coming from, we're like, please, mercy. And God is both things. And, and what I want to tell you about the justice piece of this is that there are people that God's justice is going to be fulfilled. And Romans is going to speak to this and say, don't, don't enact vengeance on people that wrong you. Don't, don't try to revenge them because I will have justice. And there are a lot of injustices and there's a lot of brokenness in this world that will be accounted for because our God is so good. He will not let that go. He's so good. God is good to me because he paid my sin. Because he forgave me and he still forgives me. Okay, we know God is good, but life is hard. So how can God be good? And how can all this bad stuff happen? If you've got a Bible, I want you to look at a, a little spot in uh, Luke, Luke 13, actually. This is an interesting text. When we think about this question that so many of us asked, or maybe your friends have asked, like, I don't believe in a God because there can't be a God that allows all these things to happen. And that's a wonderful question, actually. That's a great question. How can there be a good God and, and bad things happening in this world? And so I want to just take a minute here because we got to understand this to understand God's goodness. We can't brush over this question. And in Luke 13, it's really interesting. Let me give you a quick context and then we're going to read it. You see, in the Old and New Testament, it was common for a Jewish or Hebrew person to believe that any natural disaster, any, any trouble, anything that happens to someone was God's judgment on them. Do you guys remember the story about the blind guy and the, even the disciples, they asked Jesus, hey, who sinned to make him blind? Was it his parents or was it him? And Jesus kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. He's blind for another reason, for the glory of God. And I'm not gonna get into that text, but it's the same thought here. And here's what's happening. Uh, Nicodemus, I mean, not Nicodemus, Josephus, the historian, does not account for these couple stories, but we see these couple little things here in Luke 13. And I wanna bring this up because it's such a like blip of a story, but pay attention, okay? What happened was 
word got out that some people were worshiping in the temple and the Roman guards came in and murdered them. And their blood was mixed with the sacrifices that they were giving to God. And so it references this in verse 1. Luke 13.1, Jesus is talking current events here. I mean, this just happened, and it says this. There were some people present at the very time who told him about these Galileans. These are Jewish people from Galilee, his hometown, his home area, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. They were, they were murdered. And it says in verse 2, and he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worst or worse sinners than any of the other Galileans because they suffered in this way, because they died? Was it, was it God judging them? So they, they died because it was some judgment. And, and let's look at this. Verse 3, no, but I tell you, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Like, why are we going, what? Okay, so, hey, if you don't repent, you will perish as well. Let's move on. Verse 4, or, and so now he's referencing another event that happened. The 18 on whom the tower of Shalom fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. But I tell you that unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Here's the genius of what Jesus is doing. First, he names a political event, an event that many of us have seen in our own news of someone walking into a synagogue, gunning down a bunch of people, and you're like, how is this, how is this possible? How is this happening? Surely God is judging Somebody. Maybe there's a different reason. So we got a political one, but then the Tower of Shalom that he's referencing is actually a natural disaster. It's a nat like this thing happened. We have these tornadoes coming through, wiping out Parrington. We've had some more up in Lawton. Like these tornadoes come through, and we go, like, what do we do? Was that God's like wrath? And was it coming in just judging the, the people of Lawton? Man, they better get it together because, you know, they had that tornado, but we didn't. So we must be good. That kind of thinking, Jesus is like, whoa, hold on. And here's what I want to say to that. We are missing the point. What Jesus is saying here when he goes, no, 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 but if you don't repent, you will likewise die. Don't miss this. What he is saying is that all y'all are going to die. And all of y'all are going to die in different ways. Some of us are going to get cancer. Some of us, we might get killed in a tragic accident. Some of us may make it to the end of our life, breathe our last breath at 98 but we all die. And what he's saying is that unless you repent, unless you give your life to me, unless you believe in me, there's no hope for eternal life. I'm not talking about this world. I'm talking about living for eternal things in all of us who want to view the world through just this and judge everything about what's going on here are mistaken. Because God's purposes are not about this world. And I need you to hear something tonight. When we start questioning the goodness of God, what we are doing is we're saying, hey, this is uncomfortable right now. Or I went through this thing here as, this, as though God's whole purpose for our lives is the comfort and the beauty and the amazing uh, safety of my life as I walk on earth. And that's not his purpose for us. His purpose is eternal. His purpose is to make us holy. And so when I look at what he did to Jesus, Jesus was tortured, beaten, falsely accused. Was this good of God to allow? Was it? Was it good that Jesus was beaten and tortured? No. And yet, and yet, yes, uh, it depends on how you look at this. When I take my child who I told, hey, don't go outside. You don't know how to swim. Don't go around the pool without mom and dad out. 
And she does it a couple times and disobeys me. And I take her in. And yeah, hey, I believe in, you're all going to be parents one day. Don't judge. But I take her in her room, a couple little spankings on her little bottom. And I hit my daughter. How am I a good dad? How are you good to your daughter? By, because goodness is played out in a different way. Now, I'm not oversimplifying the hurt in this world. So I want to I answer it another way as well. But sometimes what I do want us to know is that maybe we should consider that our version of what is good is not the same as God's. Maybe God has a different definition of what is good. And what I know from what the scripture says is that he came to give you life and life abundantly. And what he's talking about there, yes, is life in the kingdom here on earth, but life in the kingdom eternally. That is what is good. Jesus' point in Luke 13 is that we're asking the wrong question. The question is not how did God let some people down and allow others to live and some people to die. The question really at the end of the day is how does he even spare us one more breath as God? How good is he that he allows us to continue on? If we understood how sinful we were, we could understand that the soldiers should have killed us, that the tower should have fallen on me, that I should be dead and in hell this very moment. And the fact that I'm not in hell is the evidence of God's tolerance and patience and goodness. And so we get to Romans 2.4. And Romans 2.4 says this, Do you presume on the riches of kindness and the forbearance and patience of God, not knowing that it's God's kindness that is meant to lead you to repentance? You see, kindness is his goodwill for us. You see, God's goodness wants your well-being. But your version of what your well-being is and his are different a lot of times. My version of well-being is comfort, no suffering, no problems. And yet when I read the scriptures and look at what's going on and what these apostles have coming for, I'm like, it's all suffering. In fact, in John 16, 33, what does Jesus say? He's like, hey, in this world, by the way, you're going to have a ton of trial and tribulation. He's like promising it. Hey, it's coming for you. But be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer because I've overcome it. So now you're like, man, we were going to talk about the goodness of God, and you've gone really dark, Pastor Stephen. Uh, let, let, me get, let, me, let me pull it around in a couple ways. His kindness, just if you're taking notes, is his goodwill to us. It's benefit. He wants your good. God's goodness to man without any relation to his specific sin. God is just good. He lets it rain on the evil. He lets it rain on the good and righteous. He's just kind. His tolerance, his forbearance is his goodness in relation to my sin's magnitude. The magnitude of my sin, which a lot of us are like, well, my sin's not as bad as this sin, but but, but I'm, I'm in front of Almighty God, man. My sin, the magnitude of it, that he would tolerate it, allow it. Wow, what patience. Ultimately, patience, because he says forbearance and patience, what's the difference? Patience is related to God's goodness in relation to sin's continuance. That I continue to sin, that I continue to fail, and God is patient with me. That's how we would frame up Romans 2, 4. His kindness is just his goodwill to all. 
his goodness to all people regardless of their sin. His tolerance is his goodness in relation to sin's magnitude. His patience is his goodness in relation to sin's continuance. And when we look at the world, it really is amazing that he doesn't just burn this whole thing down. You know what I mean? Don't you feel that way sometimes? Like, Jesus, you're just like coming back soon. Like, this is getting crazy. No, he endures because he doesn't want any to perish. 2 Peter 3, 9. His goodness is that he's, he's offering imitation to all. As you live and breathe, it's not too late to draw near to me and find life. There was a verse in Psalm 119.71, and here's what it says. The psalmist says, Psalm 119.71, it's a good one. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. You see, our suffering, our, that feeling of needing God that we don't like because we pray a lot, God, I don't want to need you anymore financially. I don't want to need you anymore in this relationship. I don't want to need you anymore, so fix this, God, so I don't need to rely on you anymore. And he's like, no, 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 that's not my interest for you. My interest is that you would rely on me at all times and that you would see that I am trustworthy and good even when it doesn't seem it. Anything that would drive you closer to the Lord is good. Maybe a big part of faith is trusting that he is good when things don't seem good. Maybe that's, that's really the, a big part of our faith. And so, let me just quickly explain the other side of this. Because there are other things that happen, maybe that have happened to you, maybe that have happened to someone you know that are terrible and horrendous. And I want to explain something, why I said life is hard, but God is good. And I want you to understand why life is hard real fast, because I don't have time to unpack all this. But if you look at the fall, if you look at Genesis 3, and you compare it to Genesis 1 and 2, we see in Genesis 1 and 2 that God had a plan, a design, and it was good for man to be with God, to man to enjoy what God created, and to order creation, and to do it with his helpmate, his helper suitable, right arm, and for them to be fruitful and multiply, have a lot of sex. I mean, like, that's what he's saying. It's awesome right? Like this was his design. Marriage was his design. Relationship with God, his design. Family, his design. And it's good. And yet we live in a culture right now that is constantly tearing that down and calling that. That's not good. That's evil. That's not right. Constantly against this. And so we get to chapter three and the fall happens. And what I need you to understand of why life is hard, and this is like very generally, and like, I'm trying to do this short because I don't have time. We probably should do a whole series on this. But I want you to understand something, that when sin entered the world, here's what happened. You and I were broken. Our relationship with God was broken. Sin entered into this thing and messed a lot of things up. And so you and I have a sin nature now where we naturally rebel against God, where we naturally don't have a desire for God, where we naturally don't want anything to do with God, we want to be our own gods. And it plays out in so many different ways. You and I, that's our natural state now. So when sin into the world, the bad news is, and one of the reasons why life is hard is because you're broke. Don't follow your heart. your heart. Your natural desires aren't gonna lead you in a good way. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. And so one of the reasons life is hard is because you're broken. 
The Bible's gonna say that sin has corrupted what God designed. But number two is, the reason life is hard is because other people are broken, amen? The people around us are messed up, right? Like they're more messed up than, no, I'm but they're messed up. And so we live in a broken world where we're broken, but the people around us are broken and they hurt us. And that's a very real thing. And then third, creation itself was cursed. We live in a world that is broken. We do have tornadoes. We do have famine. We do have fires. We do have droughts. We do have all these things that are broken. And our God is so good that he's redeeming it. That he's going to bring it into redemption. So life is hard. There you go. Y'all with me. And God is good, but life is hard. But that doesn't take away the goodness of God. And so finally in closing, why does this matter? Okay, good. Life is hard, God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. Why does it matter that God is good? I wanna give you three things very specifically. Because God is good, you can trust him. Because God is good, you can trust him. And I mean this in two ways. Number one, you can trust him when life is hard. You can trust him when things don't work out the way you wanted, that God may have a plan. And that actually Romans 8, 28, which says that God works everything for the what? Good of those who love him and who are called according to purpose. That I can trust that somehow, I don't know how, I'm not God. I don't know how this thing plays out. I don't know the end, but I know that God is good. And so I can trust that even though I don't know how this is playing out and I'm left in the dark and I don't know what my next step is and I didn't see this coming and I don't know what to do about this situation, that I can trust that God is good. And it holds me like hope. It's not a vain hope. It's not a wish. It's a trust. But not only can I trust him in this way, I can trust that what he says is good is good when the world calls it not good and vice versa. I mean, do you see the attack on the things that God calls good that the world is like, nah. And do you see the attack on the things that God says isn't good that the world's like, we love this, this is great. Marriage is a great example of this. Like everyone just live together, act married. Don't be committed to people. Why tie yourself down? Nah, just act married, live with people. Have babies with people you're not even in covenant with and see how that plays out. And God's like, no, 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 that's not how I designed it. Marriage is good, y'all. But our society says, mm. there's so many other examples of this. God says children are good. God, I mean, I'm not going to go through the list right now. I don't have time for this. But Isaiah 520, write this one down to go back to if you're taking notes. Woe to the one who calls evil good and good evil. We got to trust that even though the world says this is good and God doesn't, that it's probably not good. And we got to trust that when the world says this, this is not good, you're missing out, man. Don't live for God. You're going to miss out on everything. And God's like, no, actually, the nearness of God is my good. I'm going to trust being near God is better. Maybe I do have to be alone on a Friday night, but the nearness of God is my good. 
trust him. The second thing is this, and I, th- this was so cool. I wanna share with y'all this. Uh, the second reason that it matters that God is good is because it is the fuel for our worship. He is good, so we will worship him. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We just sang about his goodness, but I wanted to show you this because this is super cool. Um, I want to geek out for a minute. I think we have a slide on this, and I don't even know how to pronounce. I'm not like a Hebrew scholar, but the Hebrew word for gratitude, the Hebrew word, anybody know how that's pronounced? Hikarat hatov, I don't know. But the literal, literally, it means recognizing the good. How awesome is that? When you have gratitude, what you're doing is you're recognizing good and being grateful for it. Not entitled to it, but grateful for it. That's worship. It's this, it's this overflow of recognizing how good God is to me. Instead of asking, like, why do these people suffer and I'm not to go like, God, thank you that the tower didn't fall on me. Thank you that I have breath right now. Thank you that I live in America right now. And as crazy as it is, I can come into a building like this with other people and worship you without fear of being thrown in jail or tortured. Like it's happening right now in Sudan, in Sudan, not Sudan, like Saddam Hussein, I don't know where that came from. Sudan? It's happening right now, but not for us. Like our, our, our worst thing is that we might get ridiculed for loving Jesus on our college campuses. Okay. Man, he's good. He's so good that, that I can see, I can see y'all, I can taste Dr. Pepper. Mm, how good is he, right? I don't know how many times, man, I'll have like, I'll eat a steak dinner. I'll be like, God, I'm worshiping you right now. Like this is so, I recognize the good. Anybody? All right. Y'all are with me. Let's close this thing down, Stephen. Okay. Finally, he is good so that we will repent. Romans 2 4, he's so good because he wants you to change your mind about what living rightly is. He wants you to change your mind about what really is good. He wants you to turn to him and find life in him. When this world says, no, 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 life's not in God. Life's in this, this, and this, and money, and fame, and, and sex, and, and doing what you want, and real freedom. That's where life is. And he's like, no, 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 turn. Change your mind about what you're pursuing. Stop chasing what the world says is good. And I want to be patient with you. I want to let you come to that understanding. God is not going to force himself on us. But he does want us to recognize his goodness. To be in awe of it. God is good all the time. And he is worthy of our worship. So in closing tonight, I love Dr. Pepper. I love Dr. Pepper floats. But the good things in this world were always meant to point to the God of the good. The gifts that he gives were always meant to point to the giver. The creator of this world didn't create things so that you and I would bow down and worship all the stuff he created, but that we would bow down to him and go, God, how good are you to think of this? And so his creation breeds about worship in us. And so tonight, I'll leave you with this verse, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm gonna ask the band to come forward. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who finds refuge in him. Why does he need refuge? Because life is hard, 
but God is good. So blessed is the one that finds refuge and life in Jesus. Taste and see that he is good. And some of you in here, you haven't tasted. You've like been told, or even in this message, I'm like telling you, man, he's good. You're like, oh, I'm glad he's good for y'all. I'm glad he's good for my friend. I'm glad my, my friends found a, a relationship with God. It seems to be working for him. But have you tasted his goodness personally? Have you tasted his forgiveness? Some of you in here, you're blaming God right now. You're bitter at God for things that have happened. And so you can't even receive his goodness because you can't get past that one thing that you're blaming God for. And tonight he wants you to repent and change your mind and understand how things are broken and that he is actually the one redeeming the things, wanting to heal that in you, wanting to change that in you, wanting to walk you through that. But you can't receive it because you're just blaming God. So stop blaming God. Repent and receive his forgiveness. Receive his goodness. Stop worshiping his gifts and pursuing all the stuff and change your mind. Pursuing him. Worship the giver. Stop pursuing your own version of what is good and what you think is good and trust in his word and his commands and find them to be good. May we recognize his kindness, trust him for it, worship him for it, and come back to him because he's so good.